You are listening to Radio Data, a podcasting radio where we talk about data, cloud, analytics and AI with different guests, different hosts and in different segments. This segment is called Data Journey, where our guests talk about how data moves around in their company, what technologies they use and what value data brings to their products. Hello everyone, today my expert guest is Max Schulze. Max lives in Berlin and he works as a data engineering manager at Zalando. Zalando, as many of you probably know, is a very large European online retailer of shoes, fashion and beauty. I will be talking with Max about his work at Zalando, how he and his company use data, However, I believe that the main topic of our conversation will be data mesh because I'm very interested how this concept helps Zalando to become even more data-driven company. Max, uh, we know each other personally for many years. You are also very active in the community because you speak at many conferences and meetups. So I believe that a big part of our audience might already know you. But I also assume that there are still many people who don't know you at all. So who is Max Schulze? Could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, absolutely. Uh, thanks so much, Adam, for having me here today. Uh, it's really a pleasure uh, to be on the podcast and it's a pleasure talking to you. Um, as you already mentioned, like uh, we, we know each other for quite some time already. Uh, I've been speaking at a couple of the, the uh, big data uh, tech Warsaw Summit uh, conferences as well. Um, and very similar to the one that actually just happened three weeks ago, prior to this recording. And I cannot uh, believe that it's already three weeks again <laughs> since the conference happened. But um, yeah, um, who am I? So uh, as you already mentioned, I'm a data engineering manager at Zalando. Um, and um, I work pretty much in the space of uh, data platform at Zalando. So basically offering platform services to the rest of the company to allow everybody else that actually works with data on a day-to-day -day basis uh, to become much more efficient in the business that they are actually working with. And uh, from my angle, like I've been with the company for a bit over six years now. Um, I started at Zalando very much around the time uh, just after the company decided to move to the cloud. Uh, so that was a very exciting journey that we started off with. But at the same time, there was also the time when we started building our first data lake. And that's basically a uh, project that I stuck around with ever since, um, building a lot of things around like distributed storage, distributed compute, uh, lots and lots of tools and services around that. Until eventually I arrived at the point that I'm now leading the team that is responsible for uh, the storage layer of our uh, data sharing and our data lake. So you already mentioned about few very interesting projects uh, such as migration to the cloud or building a data lake and a few more. So could you tell more how and when those projects started? <laughs> Absolutely. So the interesting point when it all started was essentially that, um, again, it's kind of entangled as well to our cloud migration journey because um, at, at that time, Zalando was what, like six years old or so. 
Um, and a lot of the stuff was happening in a data center. There was a lot of backend databases. There was some huge BI data warehouses that could connect just directly to the backend databases and get data for analytics that way. Very easy, but unfortunately not very scalable. And that is also what we then realized when we moved to a cloud environment that, well, at the same time, we started moving to a microservice environment. Also meaning that a lot of the data became much more distributed. So you could not simply connect to a backend database anymore because it was probably in another, uh, in another uh, cloud vendor account. And um, so like connectivity had to happen over the public internet when it came to that. And that made it a lot more interesting. And it also led to the introduction uh, at first of a company-wide event bus. Um, some uh, Kafka-based event bus, uh, actually an API wrapper around Kafka, uh, it's called Nakadi. Uh, it was an open source project uh, for some time as well, uh, if you want to check it out as well. Um, but uh, it's uh, yeah, very convenient, became the default channel for data exchange. Uh, between applications very quickly. And with that also became the very first source of our just started data lake. So what are the technologies that you used to build your data lake and what type of data do you ingest into it? So it's actually quite interesting because uh, let me start from the ingestion side because of course, um, as I just mentioned, the uh, event bus is the first thing that we actually started with. And the more and more data got sent to the event bus and got used for communication between applications, the more we also realized that this data has a lot of value also for analytical purposes. So we started actually building a first data pipeline that we needed to rebuild many, many times over the years uh, just to cope with the scale that we actually later on got in um, to essentially archive all the data that was flowing through the event bus into a storage layer, which is fully built on AWS S3 um, to make that available uh, also for analytical purposes. And at the same time, we also realized that there was this legacy data warehouse that I mentioned uh, before, that still, even though slowly but surely, people started to move those use cases as well to the cloud, started migrating away from the data warehouse. There was a lot of very valuable data in there as well that we still wanted to use also for analytics on the cloud. Uh, so there was like a second big part that we actually used uh, to get data from the data warehouse and also put it onto S3. So it could be combined with like the event data that we were collecting on the other side. The funny part um, that you mentioned um, about like what are we actually using to then make sense of this data um, that massively evolved over time. Like we had some first experiments where we tried to put all our data in uh, Apache Accumulo, for instance, which we realized became a huge failure because it was absolutely not built for the storage uh, capacities that we actually had in mind. So we quickly moved away from that, moved to like a fully S3 based data lake and started adding some, some security and some processing layers on top of that. The first thing that we added, I think was, uh, back then still Presto SQL, I think, um, which by now is uh, has been renamed to Trino, um, as you folks might know it more for. And um, that was like the first query layer, essentially, that we added on top of that. And within a 
half a year or a year or so, we had like our first couple dozen of users uh, that started to actually run analytics on top of the uh, still comparatively low amount of data that we were offering uh, to kickstart the project and actually start generating some value for the company. Mm -hmm. And when I was preparing for this podcast interview, I did a research about Zalando. And because Zalando was founded in 2008, so around 15 years ago, and it originally focused on selling shoes online. But today, Zalando looks to be much bigger. So, for example, I discovered that Zalando is active in many different business fields. Uh, for instance, it has, of course, online shopping website where it sells different brands, but it also has own brands. Uh, also, Zalando has physical outlets in 11 German cities. It has a consultation service called Zalon. And what's more important, I, I, I noticed that Zalando has also logistics and marketing offer for other retailers. So as far as I know, with the program called Connected Retail, Zalando connects almost 6,000 brick and mortar businesses to the online fashion platform. So simply speaking, Zalando becomes a platform for other retailers to sell their stuff. So it looks to me that Zalando has grown a lot and the complexity of your company has increased uh, since the early days or since you joined the company. So uh, could you tell us more what is the, the scale and also the complexity at Zalando as a company, especially from the perspective of data, data lake and analytics? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the most exciting thing that you can actually see here is that Zalando has made a huge transition from just being a fashion online retailer towards actually becoming a platform. And um, that is quite exciting, uh, like from the angle that on the one hand side, yes, of course, the retail part is still our core business, right? That is still like a lot uh, uh, where a lot of the investments also go into and where most of the revenue, of course, is also still generated. But like when we, when we now see, for instance, the amount of partners that are being connected already through the platform that, as you just mentioned, are using Zalando as an outlet to, um, to yeah, sell more things that are then delivered through the Zalando network as well. Um, and Zalando really like understanding how to break down into the different business domains and understand like what are the parts we want to focus on, like payments, logistics, um, the, the, the fashion store, of course, um, the, the whole web shopping experience. Like, like these are all different parts that for different partners are again also can be attractive uh, to use them for their own purposes. And of course, this growth also makes it incredibly interesting to then reflect when it again comes to data, right? Like we've been working on the data infrastructure side then over the past, um, yeah, six years pretty much, as I mentioned. And um, there has been a lot of evolution on that side as well, right? Like by that time that I just mentioned that we had like the first couple of dozen uh, users internally on our Presto cluster, like by now, we 
have uh, introduced a broad selection of additional tools. We are a big partner of Databricks by now and uh, using their Spark offerings for a lot of our internal data transformations. Um, Presto SQL that then became Trino is now uh, a collaboration uh, with Starburst that we are also using uh, when it comes to actually uh, bring this as an internal offering. And we are no longer just offering this to a couple dozen users, but like more like thousands of internal users um, that are now actually using our systems on a day-to-day -day basis. And on the other side, also the data volumes, they massively grew. And uh, by now we have like more than 10 petabytes of data just in our central data lake. Uh, and many more to come uh, for our decentralized storage solutions, uh, which I will probably dive into a little bit later throughout the session. So when you speak about uh, this evolution, so is it easy or difficult to build a data lake for thousands of internal users, uh, so many different stakeholders, and also analytics for uh, third-party partners such as retailers that are connected to your platform at Zalando. Oh, it's the absolute hardest part that you can imagine. <laughs> like the moment you become successful internally, um, it's like it's a grace, but it's also it also dooms you. Uh, like you need to cope with the scale that you are then offered to operate on internally as well. So like, of course, like simple and small solutions, like trying out certain features, testing them, like actually bringing them to production, getting feedback from some users. And then if something breaks or fails, just like roll it back. Um, yeah, these are things that you can do when you have like a couple dozen users uh, that you're closely connected with. But once you arrive at the point that you not only have like a thousand users that are using your system on a day-to-day -day basis, but even more so uh, a lot of pro automated production use cases, that are integrating with your system like very tightly and uh, a lot of things that yeah core business is actually being run on your platform of course you cannot afford anymore to uh, to just play around a little bit with your system uh, and like try to introduce a cool new feature or uh, yeah not be hurt so much from introducing a bug here and there no that that has totally changed Mm -hmm. So uh, let's assume, for example, the situation that I join Zalando as a new data analyst. And I would like to implement a query to analyze the sales of a given product to understand what segment of consumers is actually buying it. So would it be easy or difficult uh, for me to find necessary data sets to get access to them? understand their schemas and implement a query that returns uh, the correct results? Mm -hmm. So the interesting question is, of course, like there, there's a journey that you that you outlined there, and it, it starts from uh, very simple steps for actually discovering like what is the data that you actually need for your case, right? And uh, we have a couple, um, uh, a couple of frameworks that we are using as well, like for, for cataloging solutions or for just simply offering people meta information about the data that we have so that they can actually understand uh, what, uh, what they are using there. Um, I cannot claim that we are the best at doing that at the moment. There's so much work in progress that is currently going on also on that angle. Um, and uh, it can absolutely be depending on the area that you're joining, you might have like a harder time than others. Um, but generally speaking, um, of course, discovery is where your journey starts. 
Uh, and once you have identified what is the data that you actually uh, that you actually need for your particular use case, um, then there's a process uh, that allows you to actually get access to the data if it does not contain any, for instance, confidential information about like PII or uh, or anything like that. Um, then it's actually very easy and you can get there immediately. Otherwise, you might need to go through through a security process as well, like like many others need to do as well. And once once you're there, then basically you can use the central platform offerings um, like our distributed SQL engine uh, based on Starburst um, that uh, allow you to, to very easily get access to the data and query it that way. We even have some some uh, open source tools like like Superset on top of that um, to provide uh, to provide interfaces um, so that people can much more easily um, use that and have an easy experience as well when it comes to uh, querying the data. So based on your answer, I conclude that it's difficult to say how long it will actually take me to get access to those data sets and query it uh, because it depends on what type of data I would like to uh, query, whether it's sensitive data or not, which unit this data belongs to. But at least there is a well-defined process that guides me uh, and helps me to, to do that in the most efficient way. Exactly, exactly. And that is also the aim that we have as the data platform. We want to reduce this as much as possible. Like we want to make this journey as easy as possible for our users. And I think that is just a general aim that any data platform should have as well. Like the focus has to be on our internal users and to help them as much as we can in their day-to-day -day work, in their uh, work, when it comes to the usage of data, um, so that it is so simple that they do not even need to think much about things like system integrations or where to find something or technical details, which then again, like some, some of those users, if they don't have a technical background, might not even understand. So that is something that is then our job to, uh, to abstract those things and to really bring them to the position um, that everybody can use the data at their own pace as simple as possible. And are there any frameworks or concepts that you take advantage of that make uh, the use of data at Zalando more efficient? So there, there's a couple of different angles um, that we that we can take from here. Uh, like the the most important one, I think, um, is that we focus on continuous collaboration with our users. And um, I'm not yet touching on, on the framework part in general yet, but um, just on, on the part of like really understanding what we actually need to build for our company. Uh, and this is something where actually a lot of thinking goes into. Uh, we made a lot of mistakes in the past. Like we introduced things that nobody needed or uh, we did not build the things that were actually needed because we were not talking enough to our internal users, our internal customers for that matter, um, to actually understand what they need. And we were always trying to introduce new technologies and new frameworks to, to deal with certain problems that we maybe saw from a platform angle that later on turned out the one user that had that problem long ago found a workaround that they don't even need this anymore. This is, of course, something that is super important to, to really understand what our internal users need. Um, and um, this is, I think, like one of the first aspects that also drove us a little bit into the direction um, of, uh, I guess, why we are also here for today, which is the data mesh. 
Yes, yes. So if, if this is something that really helps Zalando to become more data-driven, and if this helps your internal users to become more efficient with data, I would be happy to hear more about uh, it. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, yeah, I also have to, again, say like from, from my personal angle, like um, I've been super hyped on the data mesh and maybe just like uh, a little bit of a background on um, where my connection to the topic also comes from uh, before I then uh, again dive into, well, how that actually helps Zalando and what are the things that we are doing on that side as well. Um, so as I mentioned before, right, I'm coming from a platform angle. So like I've always worked on like a centralized data lake setup. And um, with that, I also felt a lot of the pain points that came with this setup, specifically when it came to like the centralized setup, where we as central team were essentially taking on responsibility for the rest of the company, not just from a technology or platform angle, but actually also for the content of the data. And this is something that was very painful. This is something where we very quickly realized that we are actually becoming a huge bottleneck for the company. Because like, if we need to be involved in every single use case to allow teams to actually move ahead, um, that of course makes it such that everybody will be waiting for us. Yeah. And of course, the, camp the company is growing at massive scale. Like if you look at the growth number of, of Zalando over the last couple of years, um, like it, it's incredible like what has been accomplished on that side. But that, of course, also translates into internal growth, right? This translates into more and more use cases being incorporated that produce data. So like you are, you are increasing the amounts of data that you're actually bringing in. You're also increasing the variety of data that you're bringing in. Um, while at the same time, the people that actually want to make use of that data are also growing. <laughs> so you actually had the point where like every part of the both the, the site of people that are producing and also consuming data have massively been growing, um, meaning that the single central team that was responsible and needed to assist in all of these use cases could not keep up in their own growth anymore. And at that time, um, and that was like, yeah, around two and a half, three years ago or so, um, there was a new buzzword that was introduced to the community, which was the data mesh. And um, at the first time, it, it sounded quite interesting when I read through the, the very first article that, uh, that Jamak Degani uh, originally wrote on the topic um, to, yeah, understand a bit better that platform and data and uh, working with, with all these topics is not just about technology, but there's also a large organizational angle to that. And that is something that we actually started to acknowledge around that time as well, to understand what are the things that we also need to change and where, yeah, we need to adopt our culture as well when it comes to working with data um, to go into a more scalable direction not just from a technology angle, but also from an organization. Before we dive in deeper into how you use Data Mesh at Zalando, let's maybe first describe what Data Mesh actually is. Because I believe that many of our listeners might only have heard about Data Mesh as a buzzword, but it would be beneficial to introduce them basic fundamentals of this concept to our audience now. Yes, absolutely. And um, so data mesh, as you mentioned, is a huge buzzword, right? It's a huge hype. Uh, everybody talks about it, but not so many people actually know what it's actually about. 
Yeah, and do I think that it's a bad thing? I actually don't think so because I think the the concept behind it is actually quite sound. The moment you dive into the points and you actually start understanding what it's actually about. But yeah, uh, as you mentioned, uh, let me actually dive into that part a little bit and explain like what 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 this concept is actually about. What are the the things that actually stand behind that? And um, data mesh essentially is a concept that combines, let's say, four different pillars or or subconcepts uh, to to bring that together and to change the way on how we are thinking about working with data at an organizational scale. The first one is to actually think about data as a product, especially now that we have entered the age of microservices, like it's uh, very clear that product thinking in the IT world is nothing that is like entirely new to us. And uh, we are very much in the situation that like many um, services are maintained as a product. Many IT teams have product managers um, that are working on, on such topics uh, to, actually, uh, to actually make that happen. And we are actually asking to do the same with your data. Yeah, like for one too many years, we have treated data just like as a byproduct, as somebody, something that was like produced, like and directly went like to the to the garbage bin, which was your data swamp and not data lake, uh, without like any governance, without any metadata, without anything. Um, to actually start making use of that. And this is exactly what we are asking to turn around. You know, we want to focus on data as a product. We want to understand who is actually using our data, who is actually benefiting and what kind of value is created from the data that we have. Who are the stakeholders? Are they actually happy with what we are offering to them? What is it actually that we are offering? Like, does, Is this tailored to the needs of our customer, like any proper product should be? Or is this just a technical dump of our API um, that is generating some logs as a site that then just by chance get to be used in critical production processes uh, when it comes to data analytics? Yeah. So this is really like the first big pillar of data mesh that we start thinking about data as a product um, and that we actually try to understand what is the value about the data. Um, and also with that, understand which investments uh, are actually worth it. Um, to deal with the data products that we are creating that way. The second big pillar is about um, domain-driven ownership of data. So we actually want to make sure that the people that are supposed to, well, be responsible for this data, to own this data, are also the people that actually know the best about it, which are usually the people that are very close to where the data is originally generated. And this is again like what we are also thinking about uh, about business domains, because after all, like any investment, when it comes to well, for instance, investing into your data to turn it into a product, um, to, because there is the need and there is the value that is being generated from that, that all needs to be backed by the business. Yeah, this needs to become from a business need. This needs to become from in, from impact, um, and this is actually something that we need to offer. Um, um, on on a company scale as well, and this is of course like the part where it's closest to where the data is originally generated, um, that we want to also have the responsibility about the data, and this is the second big part also about that point. Um, it's not just to uh, throw it over the fence somewhere and like like for somebody else to take care of it. No, but it's also really about like taking up and defining what data ownership really means. Yeah, like specifying the rules, understanding what within your company again means um, to actually provide quality data 
uh, to somebody else, to other teams in the company. And this is where it's not just about this domain thinking, but specifically also about the ownership part um, that we are looking into here. The third big part, and that's the one where I think I'm uh, actually much more of an expert in again, um, is uh, uh, to provide data platform as a service and specifically as a self-service um, that is actually becoming data agnostic. So we want to escape from the part where we are always the central bottleneck in the way that we are actually offering services like compute resources, storage, scheduling, um, I don't know, the data cataloging solution, uh, like so many different things that help the respective data product teams to, um, to share and to work with the data products that are offered across the company. That makes it easier for the producers to, for instance, share meta information about the data to make it more discoverable. Um, that makes it easier for, for others to, um, to um, start learning about the contents of the data, start getting access to the data, start getting all the technical resources that they need to actually work with that, and to really advance the, the viewpoint on your data platform um, to the point that you're really, you are now, again, an internal service provider. Like you're offering all these things. And you want to make it as simple and easy, easy as possible for your services to be used. But you also need to enable your users to do it by themselves. Because as we mentioned at the beginning, the centralization part uh, and being involved into every single use case is something that simply does not scale. And the last remaining pillar of Data Mesh is um, uh, federated computational governance. Um, of course, like the moment we are pushing towards like more decentralization of data ownership, pushing data ownership into the domains, enabling the decentral teams to actually take on this ownership in a very simple way because we support them with the required platform features. Um, that is also the part where we somehow need to ensure that the different parts of the business are not starting to drift apart. We cannot like let it come to the point that we are creating more and more silos that are then entirely not connected with each other um, and that then need to, uh, yeah, put in a lot of effort uh, to actually combine things again uh, when it comes to, for instance, combining data from two different domains uh, to generate some insights for the business. And this is the model where, um, uh, where, where we are uh, yeah, trying to ask about, uh, on the one hand side, federated governance, where we, um, we do not want to have governance be the top-down approach that it has been for many years now, where like there's some central body that defines rules that need to be followed across the company um, to really die, to really ensure that certain topics are taken care of. And then they are like running around like with a stick, like the governance police, um, and they don't like their job. Nobody else likes them because they're always just forcing extra work on people um, without true understanding of where that is actually coming from. Instead, we are actually asking the people that are then coming from the respective data domains to get together and discuss these topics and the needs of the respective domains uh, in a federated group. Yeah, where we are really on the one hand side, trying to enable them to take the decisions that only concern their domain entirely by themselves because that is the way that is actually needed to, to increase the speed across the company. But at the same time, to still bring the people together from the different domains and have them talk to each other, 
for the cases that require interoperability between the different domains. And this is like the last part where um, not only want, do we want to um, bring in um, yeah, company-wide like procedures or processes or anything like that, but we again also want to support the people from the platform angle for that, right? Just a very simple example, GDPR, is something that everybody needs to follow. And any data owner needs to, for instance, take care of the, the right to be forgotten. And um, that is something that, uh, of course, you want to rather have a platform solution that is offered, that is very easy to integrate your local data set with, so that you can just use this out of the box with some simple configuration, um, instead of having every single domain build their own solution for themselves. So going much more into the computational governance direction as well, where you where you build things again also from a platform angle uh, to support the different teams and to make governance as easy as possible and as convenient as possible, uh, so that people simply will follow it because the tool uh, is adding so many advantages um, that it's easier to use the tool that enables you to be compliant, to be properly governed, uh, than not using the tool at all. There was a lot of talking, <laughs> but I think like this, these are like the main four pillars of uh, of data match. Um, I hope that gave like a bit of a of an introduction to the topic. Yes, it was a very good introduction to the data mesh and the description of its main four pillars, uh, such as data as a product, domain driven ownership of data, data platform as a self service and federated governance. And now I will ask a few follow-up questions. And first of all, uh, what are the problems that Data Mesh is successfully solving? And equally important, what are the problems that the Data Mesh is not solving? Yeah, so on, on the one hand side, um, Data Mesh is of course trying to address a lot of the organizational challenges when it comes to working with data. Um, I think you can even compare it a little bit with like uh, the move of IT towards like agile development methodologies. Uh, when we were trying to, um, to understand how can we make our work with IT in general more efficient. Um, and well, it's been a, quite a couple of years now, but now we are essentially trying to do the same for data. Right? We are we are trying to to rethink how we are working with data. We're trying to move to a part that we are making more conscious decisions, what we are actually doing with our data. And in the end, ultimately, this actually is a bit of a cultural transformation on yeah, how we are thinking about the data that we are working with on a day-to-day -day basis. And data mesh for that matter just gives you a bit of a framework of um, um, of starting to move your organization into that direction. Now, when it comes to product thinking about data, for instance, this is something that needs to be adopted by teams, even by individuals. This is like a rethinking of how we're actually working with data to not just treat it as like the, the, the garbage bin that everything is flowing into, um, but to really actually put an effort into turning this into something useful. Because working with data over the past years has been a real struggle. Yeah, like consumers were suffering a lot from having like bad quality data, from needing to work with, uh, with things that were not properly maintained, that didn't have clear ownership, that 
after using them for production critical use cases for like one or two years from one day to another just broke without any reason without anybody being reachable um, to even understand where this is coming from yeah like like these are exactly the dysfunctions that we are trying to address here as well yeah that we are trying really to get into our heads and try to take data serious um, and to give it the attention that it actually deserves what is it not solving um, is a very interesting question as well, because um, it's not solving your, let's say, technology issues or um, your your core dysfunctions when it comes to uh, when it comes to working with data um, at scale, not from an organizational, but from a technical angle. Uh, data mesh is not about technology. Data mesh is not about like um, implementing a new framework or choosing the next cool open source system that's out there uh, or the next fancy framework that is published by Google or anything like that. Um, but it's really focusing much more on the organizational angle of things. And like these pain points are things that like so many companies have felt over the recent years. Um, and what I found the most interesting part is um, I actually had a conversation with Jamak herself um, quite some time ago where she said like, she did not invent the data mesh for that matter. She just saw that there's something that exists and that is continuously developed at so many different places at the same time. And she finally gave us a name to talk about it. And this is what I find so interesting. And that's also getting back to the beginning why I said like having data mesh to be a buzzword and a hype is not necessarily a bad thing because it actually brings attention to a core dysfunction that we have for many, many years already. And slowly but surely by also making more and more people understand what does data mesh actually mean? What is it trying to address um, to bring them into the position to actually take these problems serious? Yes, I agree that it's important to have this in mind because there is also a risk that you create some problems to you and your company if you don't understand this concept uh, properly and try to introduce data mesh incorrectly at your company. Uh, for example, you mentioned about four main fillers of the data mesh and I assume that they are somehow connected to each other. So, for, for instance, you should introduce them all together, at, ideally at once, or maybe in some uh, specific order. So, for example, uh, if you have a distributed ownership of data and each data team owns own data, uh, but you don't think about data as a product, then it becomes uh, very difficult to share this data across the company because there is uh, no easy way to consume the data if it's not offered as a product. So what's your opinion about that? And how would you recommend to start the journey with data mesh? Well, uh, or, maybe, or maybe you can describe how Zalando started its journey uh, with data mesh. Um, it's actually quite interesting because the, the, the order of the four pillars is um, not just decided at random, um, but of course, like there are some things that then really start building up on top of each other. Right, like um, for instance, you probably want to start building a very first data product without you think without thinking about any of the other parts uh, before that, or at the same time even, because at first you need to understand what does it actually mean to build a data product. 
not just in general, but also in your organizational context. Now, these are some of the most interesting discussions that we are still having at Zalando right now um, to actually define what is a data product at Zalando and what are like the core requirements that you have to call what you are offering a data product. Yeah, so this is super, super important that you really start small. Don't build your platform right from the start before you even have use cases. Yeah. And honestly, that is also a bit of a part that we, where we made a lot of mistakes in the past as well. Because as I mentioned, right, we started building a data platform without really understanding what is it that the company actually needs. And not that anybody would have been able to tell us at that point, because there was nothing like that before and neither did they know what they would actually need. Um, but like putting a bit more due diligence as well into understanding and analyzing the problem space before you dive into the solutions, before you dive into the platform, that is also what, what uh, makes a lot of sense when you start looking into your personal data mesh journey. Start small, start with a, with a single team that looks at one single use case um, that really drives this into production, that showcases that this is actually generating value, uh, that people are like continuously putting effort and really turning their data into a product. The moment you then, of course, like data product thinking and the domain ownership, they are very interconnected. That is very true. Because of course, you don't want to build the data product team on the other end of the business that actually do not know anything about the part uh, that I'm actually trying to address here, right? So of course you want them to be like in the same area um, so that they actually already have the domain expertise um, so that they can also take on that challenge. And that is really the part that is like heavily interconnected there. But don't build a platform right from the start. Like first understand what are you what do you actually need? What are the capabilities that you then later on need to turn into platform features before you start building them right up front? And then half of them you need to throw away again because you planned for or anticipated the wrong thing at first. And it turned out that this was actually nothing that was actually needed for your company setup specifically. And even more so, that counts true for, for the federated computational governance, right? Like I always love to, to, to draw the picture where I'm saying, don't build the roof before the walls of the house stand. Yeah, like make sure you first build the foundation, then you build the walls and then you put the roof on top of that. Like if you start from the back, that can really hurt you because you're investing a lot of time and resources and effort into building things that probably half of them later on you actually need to throw away. Regarding the journey, is a journey different for different types of companies or the same? For example, if you could advise an international retailer with thousands of employees and many different units such as e-commerce, logistics, um, delivery, uh, customer support, to introduce the data mesh, would your recommendations uh, be the same or different to what you would recommend to a small but fast-growing e-commerce scale-up that, for instance, hires 20 people who work closely together in a single city or in a single or use single Slack channel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in, interestingly, um, uh, the recommendation is different yet still the same <laughs> uh, because it's basically. Um, start small and try to understand what does it actually mean for you yeah because yes every journey is different and like they differ vastly 
there is no the data mesh that you just take and put into practice and that's it, right? Uh, that, that I haven't seen that yet. I have also yet to see a vendor that sells you a out of the box data mesh because how could they, right? They are selling you technology to an organizational problem. Of course, you still need to do your, your rethinking. You still need to actually get into the heads of the people. And this is something that your organization needs to understand by themselves. And, and yes, there are a lot of tools out there that can help you. But which of those you need, you need to understand by yourself first. Yeah. So like understanding really at first, what are the core concepts behind it and really doing the part of understanding how do they reflect in your organizational setup? That is the big part uh, where I recommend everybody to start with that. But the outcomes of that are vastly different for each and every company. I can even go to the extent and say, data mesh is not for everyone. Yeah, like, as you said, like if you're a fast growing startup that has like 20, 30 people out of which are maybe three that are working in the data space, they know each other. <laughs> they talk to each other. They can just like shout over the desk when they need something, right? They do not have these problems about data on an organizational scale of like thousands of people yet. Like data mesh is really trying to address organizational scaling challenges. If you don't have organizations at that scale yet, then data is probably not even your main concern at that point. You'd rather want to focus on your business and on actually uh, making your startup successful than trying to invent like amazing processes on uh, how to uh, have like the perfect governance for your data. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's super important to also understand that if you start small and if you learn what data mesh means for you, that can also mean uh, outcome uh, that data mesh actually doesn't mean nothing for you. And that's not the right tool for you because your company is like a brick and mortar retailer that is not so focused on the data part. Yeah, so this is something uh, that every company has to figure out for themselves. So let's continue talking about this example. So is there any specific moment in time or some specific problem that uh, such a company should face to start actually thinking about introducing data mesh? I think generally it helps to understand the concepts early and to keep them in mind while you grow. Yeah, so um, the, the earlier you think about it, the, uh, the easier it becomes for you to, um, to later on make this an integral part of your mindset when it comes to working with data. To really apply some of these things in practice, I think um, it only starts making sense when you actually have multiple teams that are working with data. And like it's really, it, it can start maybe at like five or six teams already um, that's starting to do more things in parallel in a similar way, because that is the part when you start thinking about, okay, um, now I have all these teams that are working on different parts of the, of the business, even if it's still a small one. Um, but each and every one of them is starting to reinvent the wheel every day because they are still doing the same job. And you want to maybe extract some of these parts into platform capabilities. Um, they start to interact more with each other in terms of becoming their stakeholders uh, to rely on the output that the others are producing. Like once you grow into that phase, that is the part where I think it makes a lot of sense to, to really actively start thinking about it. Again, that can differ like for some companies that might make sense already at like, as I mentioned, like four or five teams. Uh, for some, probably they don't have these problems until they have like 20 teams that are actually producing data. Yeah, again, heavily depends on the setup. 
but you need to, it, it always helps to understand the base concepts early um, so that you can decide for yourself when is the right time to actually move in. Before our podcast, I also took an opportunity to ask my colleagues from Getting Data if they have any specific questions that I can ask to you during our interview. And I actually have one question. So we can say that, uh, that it comes from the community or our audience. And this is a question from Michał, who attended your presentation at our conference in Warsaw. And during your talk, you said that successful introduction of a data mesh to an organization can take some time. So are there any specific key metrics or uh, some milestones that you can use to measure the progress of introduction of data mesh to your company or um, also that you can use to check if you are going in the right direction I think the first thing that you should start with is to, again, start from the perspective of the single data product, yeah, that you need to understand what, what is the value that a data product is actually generating and um, to have some KPIs set up around that so that you can actually measure if your first couple data products that you're building are actually a success for the company. Of course, like once you are in the situation that you can see that this approach actually works for you and that your single data products are generating value, that is the part where, again, you can start abstracting this onto a higher level, where maybe you realize that there are, there's a certain set of KPIs um, that defines what is success for a single data product. Like for instance, amount of users or um, value that is generated by downstream use cases based on that. And like these are then something where you can maybe set up standardized metrics that make sense for all the data products that you have. Later on, of course, when you grow that further, you can also start counting the number of data products that you have. The people that are actually using these data products on a regular basis so that you actually have usage statistics, weekly active users, monthly active users, these kind of things, so that you can really track down what does it mean in terms of the value that it's adding for your company. I think that's the most important part as well, to really focus on the impact, um, because that is what what should be driving your adoption as well. If you realize that you are building three data products and none of them is actually flying, maybe, maybe that part is just not for you. Or maybe you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, maybe you need to actually take a step back and understand and really figure out and talk to the users uh, to, to, to realize what is wrong. Why is it not flying? Yeah, so, but I think the most important part is really to focus on the value that you're bringing to the business. Because if we are introducing such organizational changes, they need to be backed by the business, right? The business is where the money comes from. And if we want to invest time and money and effort into organizational changes, this needs to be backed by the business. So you need to prove back to the business that this is actually worth it and that it's actually generating value and generating an impact what you are doing. There. And how would you measure uh, the business gain? Or in other words, how would you prove that data mesh brings concrete value to the company. What the value that a single use case that is now served by your data is generated for the business, right? This is something that the respective team, your consumer, your stakeholder should be the ones that to best understand what is their impact again on the business. And that might be something like, I don't know, like giving a very simple example from the Zalando side, um, 
Um, if I can have a better, uh, a better return forecast, maybe I can optimize for um, my storage capacity in the warehouse and generate some extra revenue because I know that some parts I can just resell from the stock that is getting back instead of needing to reorder them and then overstock. Yeah, like if better data can lead to a better outcome on that process, that is something that actually moves the needle on the revenue. Uh, like these are just very, very simple examples from the one angle. The other angle is about efficiency. And this is really like where I think most of our bad experiences in working with data come from um, is that dealing with data in a correct way takes a lot of time and effort. Like you, you spend weeks on discovering what you actually need only to realize that it's like super raw and unclean data and um, that has like uh, gaps in it left and right. And uh, you have huge trouble to clean this and to prepare this and to transform this into something that is actually useful. Whereas then take going to the source team and asking them to actually provide this data already in a clean fashion, um, that might actually save me weeks of engineering effort that is then built up on top of assumptions that I have never confirmed with the actual owner uh, that is then breaking on the next occasion. Yeah, like, like these type of problems to shortcut them because we are actually providing proper service um, is also a huge measure in terms of efficiency. And this is again, something that is incredibly important for, for bigger IT organizations um, that work with data at scale to bring them into the position that they can be more efficient when it comes to working with the data because they have a lot of engineers that are working on these things on a day-to-day -day basis. And a lot of engineers not wasting their time means that they have a lot more time to actually focus again on things that actually move the needle for a business. I ask this question because in my daily work, I often talk to decision makers from very large complex companies because at Getting Data, we work with large banks, telecoms, retailers, or energy companies on their data projects. And they always need to take into account, of course, a budget, a potential revenue, and potential return on investments. And they are always interested in any good ideas that can help them to drive their business, improve their data platforms, improve the way, uh, they analyze the data and generate the insights, but they also need to know what would be the potential cost and potential revenue to make a decision. So this is something that I assume that large companies talk about when they think about introducing such a huge mindset change as, uh, as uh, introduction data mesh to their companies and they simply analyze what would be the potential cost, what would be the potential benefits. So I believe that if there is a specific KPI that helps you measure what what gain you get by introducing data mesh to your company or whether you're going in right direction, it would be easier to make a decision to go for it and build, for example, first data product. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. And, and this is exactly, again, once more emphasizing why I put so much, uh, so much focus on starting with a small simple first use case, right? Because that means your investment is 
comparatively limited, whereas the learnings that you might gain can strongly um, uh, decide the direction your company is taking in the future. Yeah. If you can actually, like having a team work on the first data product for three months and then shipping something that actually generates value, that can again prove to the business and say, okay, we invested this much and this is actually the positive impact that we now have. And now you can calculate for yourself, uh, especially when you think about this also then a bit more uh, mid to long-term, like how much the gain that we made here with this initial investment is actually worth it. When does it pay off? What's the return of investment? Uh, and once I figured this out for my one small first data product, um, then things will probably only get better from there. I will make a lot of learnings on, I will make so many mistakes on my first data product. Yeah, probably I need to trash it three times before I can actually come up with something that actually works. But these learnings that the first team made are then so valuable also for future products that I build afterwards. And if I can already prove that this first team that maybe didn't take three months, but six, uh, to build the first product is still generating value for the company and that I can still prove that it's a return on investment that is very positive, then of course I will have an easy time afterwards to also convince the business that this is something that we want to double down. Yeah. Start small with a very limited commitment. And you also mentioned that data mesh is not about using new cool cutting edge open source or cloud managed technologies and does it also mean that uh, you could implement uh, implement <laughs> implement, <laughs> uh, implement data mesh uh, principles using uh, any technology or it, it or will it require some shift to different technologies at your company or you can just stick to existing technologies that you already have like what is your experience and what, what com companies are doing? In other words, uh, is, is the implementation of data mesh changing your technology stack significantly? It can, but it doesn't have to. Yeah, like I've, I've actually seen organizations started adopting product thinking for data in their data warehouse. Yeah, that they actually had like tables that were generated by specific BI teams and now they actually try to really understand, okay, who's using them? Who are my stakeholders? What's the value I'm getting from that? Like all these things. And that, that, that can work perfectly fine. Yeah, like at some point you might still hit like scaling issues that are coming more from a technology side. Like that the amount of data that you have is growing so much that your traditional data warehouse simply doesn't fit it anymore. So sure, that is something that you might still encounter, but it, it's not required to make these fundamental changes um, right from the get-go. And of course, like I say, I've said it a couple of times before uh, that you should not build your platform until you have like the first couple of data products that are actually successful. Of course, there's not a reality. Yeah, like so many companies are there, they already have a platform and they have so many use cases. And instead of building things from scratch, they actually start adopting things into a certain direction. And data mesh is never, will never ask you to throw away everything that you've known and like build everything from scratch and introduce new technologies or anything like that. The moment you see that you need certain capabilities from the platform that you don't have with your currently tech stack, you will know. Yeah, sure. You need to you need to keep an open mind about this as well. Do not try to let's say um, make 
suboptimal choices just because you are used to a certain framework or something like this. Um, still try to be open because after all, this might define the future of your company. Uh, and like trying out new things might make sense. But the important part is really to understand like what is it that you actually need. Focus on the capabilities and then do a proper technology selection process afterwards. Okay. Yeah, we are slowly running out of time, but I have one more final question about uh, the most interesting or unexpected lessons that you have learned when you implement, implemented data mesh at Zalando? Um, I think the, the most interesting experience that I had was the very first time we were speaking about the term data mesh at Zalando. Because we were getting an extreme backlash from the management side at that time. So it was really like, like basically we were forbidden to talk about the term internally. And uh, when, when it was? Uh, that was like very shortly after the article was released. Yeah. And like, I absolutely understand where that was coming from because again, there, there was like a new buzzword that was on the blog and we were talking about it like it was the holy grail. Uh, that was absolutely not the case. And uh, I fully understood that they had like a strong first seeing something that is a bit more mature uh, before trying to commit on something. But there was essentially a data sharing feature that we tried to uh, name data mesh uh, to push into that direction. And we were basically denied to do that. We named it something else. It became one of the most successful features that we ever released internally. Uh, and it was actually like very nice that we introduced it uh, in another way. And by now, I can absolutely say what we tried to introduce back then was not a data mesh. Um, but be prepared for, for uh, getting strong counter arguments, right? Like only if you really understand what it means, you will also be able to defend the idea. Uh, and by now, we have incredibly open-minded leadership um, that is for it as well. And we are starting to establish it in, in, in some of our more strategic guidance uh, documents as well uh, that we have across the company. Okay, thank you. It, it was really interesting. Um, yes, thanks a lot. Uh, Max, for uh, the conversation and sharing your knowledge and experience uh, with us. It was my pleasure to talk to you. Was absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for having me. If you folks want to check out a couple of the things that we've been working on as well, um, there's of course a couple of conference talks out there. Specifically, check out the Big Data Tech Warsaw Summit. Um, uh, especially the the three uh, three weeks ago. But um, there's a bunch of things that we have out there, the trainings that we are doing, uh, me and my uh, partner, Arif, um, that we are doing on the O'Reilly site as well. And there's even like a small booklet, I would say, that we published on the topic also on O'Reilly, uh, but that you can also get for free uh, as a PDF from uh, Starburst uh, that decided to, to sponsor the project. So if you are interested to dive deeper into, uh, into the topic, uh, check out one of our trainings or uh, check out our, our booklet. Or of course, also check out the big book on data mesh that uh, has been released by Jean-Marc Degani, uh, the very same person uh, that originally came up with the name data mesh. I also recommend the content created by Max. This is good stuff, so you should uh, you should have a look. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you, and uh, yeah, very much looking forward uh, to have 
follow conversation at some point. If you are interested in new episodes of Radio Data, please follow us on Acast, Spotify and other podcasting platforms. Also visit gettingdata.com to find more information about other ways that we gather and share the knowledge.